great video. Um, that was made by our media team back up in up in Seoul, in our Hillside campus. And uh, I, I encourage you guys to watch it again. And if you look at it, and some of you guys may be new to our church, but man, there are people out there that are on fire for God. There are people out there that, like, you know, like, it means something to them. And when I see that, I just get encouraged. It's because this, this is what we have here in Busan. This is what we're going to be finding here in Busan. We're going to be finding people that are going to be on fire for God, that are going to know that there's something more to this life than, than what the world can offer them. There's something that they can't find, you know, except for God. Beyond God, it's, it's not. So, you know, you might be content, but I'm just letting you know that there's something out there that's so much better than just being content. And it's, it's the presence of our God. Amen? All right. Uh, I, I feel excited to give you guys the first sermon of 2013 for, uh, for Seaside. I'm excited. And, and it's actually the first sermon, but it's actually the last sermon of the series that I'm preaching. It's a, 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 a series of sermons I've been doing about the developing your sense of call. You know, all of us were called by God. You know, you guys need to know that each and every one of you guys have a calling from the Lord. You know, and um, whether or not, you know, you know that calling or not, you have to develop a sense of call eventually that you'll be able to get there you know i could be called to be a, a k-pop sensation with all my dance moves you know and just my singing great singing ability but un- unless you know that might actually be what i'm called to but unless i develop a sense of call i'm not going to know how to get there in the way that god wants me to get there you know what i mean because god has plans he has amazing plans for each and every one of you guys and by developing your sense of call you'll understand how to get there i talked about how relationship and character and obedience is key. It's the first things they have to put before the Lord. You know, you put the relationship of God first. And he's more concerned about your relationship. Right now with Pastor Mina and, and me, she's more concerned about the, our relationship than anything that I can, can buy her or I can, I can give her. You know what I mean? Like, she tells me all the time. She's like, man, I want to spend time with you. I don't, you know? And I was like, I, I, I realized that, you know, that in this love relationship, it's not about the things that you can do, but it's, a, it's about the relationship. And if that relationship is good, I don't have to buy her anything. She's happy. She's content. You know? And in that same way, a relationship with the Lord is key. I buy her stuff all the time. Don't worry. Um, character also. God's more concerned about what you're becoming than what you could do for him. You know, about who you are, the type of person that you are. Are you a, a man and woman of substance? Are you a man and a woman of integrity? No, these are the things that God looks at first. Obedience. You know, he looks at obedience. He wants to know if you're going to obey. Yeah, you might have all these grand plans for God, but if He calls you to, to maybe mop the sanctuary floor, will you obey? If He calls you to, to go somewhere you don't want to go, would you, would you be able to follow and obey? God's looking at your obedience. I also talked about submitting to spiritual authority. It was called the mission of submission and how God places us under spiritual authority to, to really uh, to bless us and to increase us in our lives. And we're not going to fully un- un- realize the calling that we're in unless we put ourselves under spiritual authority. I also talked about testing, how testing is key, how God tested Abraham. He's like, you know, go kill or go sacrifice your son Isaac. And, and Isaac, you know, it was a test from the Lord. God didn't test him just to mess with his head like, oh, I just want to mess with Abraham and see, you know. But he tested him so that he could develop his sense of call. Like he's called, he called Abraham to this amazing thing. But the testing was what helped Abraham realize 
that it, that is the, the faith and, and the, the promise that the Lord had given him is going to what's going to carry him to his promised land. So I talked about testing last last week. I talked about glorifying God in the mundane. You know, the, you guys, a lot of you guys are in your season of the mundane. You guys are are English teachers, and some of you guys might get excited. That joke I got from Kevin actually from the haha hole that one time. Remember, I talked about like some of you guys might look at teaching and it'd be like, yeah, I love it. I love it when he says, you know, I has five toys. And I get to correct him. It's I have five toys, you know, and it, it like he give, it, it might pump you up to be this English teacher. But for a lot of you guys, it's like, man, it's a little mundane. I, I teach the same kids all the time. I teach them the same lessons. Every class is the same. And this might be your season of the mundane. But it's in the mundane where God develops your faithfulness and he develops your character. And you have to learn to find God in the mundane. It's so important to develop your sense of call. And I shared a little bit about it last week. By Abraham, he got called into the land of Canaan. And, and, and when he was there, he refused to go back. You know what I mean, he refused. Even when he had to find a, a, a wife for his son Isaac, he, he sent a servant. Because he, he said, you know what, I'm not going to go back. And my son's not going to go back. And in the same way, when you guys, when God promises you this promised land in your life, you guys can't go back to the things and the places where you came from. You know what I mean, God calls you to amazing things. And, and, and God says, don't even look back. Don't even look back. Like Lot's wife, when she looked back, she became this pillar of salt. He said, don't even look back. You know? And I also shared last week about all the sacred and the secular call and how, uh, you know, some of us are called to the pulpit. Some of us have these great calls in ministry. And some of us are called to the kitchen to be, to be a cook. Or some of us are called to raise up leaders. And some of us are called to raise up our children. But whether... It's, it's, it's secular or sacred. There is no sacred or secular call in, in God. If it's a calling from the Lord, it's a sacred call. So if God calls you to, to, be a, to be a mother, to be a housewife, and take care of your kids, that is your calling. That's a sacred call from God. I mean, and you got to do, you do it with faithfulness, and you do it with character. You know, and some people realize their callings early on, but without developing their sense of call, some fail to reach what God has for them. And that was a, his, that was a story of the Israelites in the wilderness. Now God called them out of Egypt, out of slavery, gave them a clear calling. Said, you know what? You guys are going to reach, you guys are going to get this promised land, and I'm going to lead you there myself. You know, through my, 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 my servant Moses, you guys are going to reach the promised land. But, but, but many of them failed to develop their sense of call. You know, they knew their calling. Okay? They knew it. But they didn't develop their sense of call. So what happened? You know, at the, at the first sign, you know, they, they, they get all, they start complaining. You know, God shows them all these miracle signs and wonders. He parts the Red Sea. You know, like, that's like crazy stuff. You know, that's not stuff that happened like every day back in, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I saw that happen last week. Parted, parted the, the, the other sea over here. No, that's like, that's like once in, uh, in history moment, you know. He shows them all these, he rains manna down from heaven, supernaturally provides for them. In spite all, despite all of this, they still complain. They still didn't submit to, to Abraham, I mean, Moses' authority. And in, in the end, they disobeyed God. And when God, you know, it tested them, 
By showing, actually showing them the promised land. Like, all right, this is your promised land. Go check it out. And then they came back and, and then the spies came back and said, man, there are giants over there. And God specifically told them, you guys will possess this promised land. This is God telling you this. And they're like, man, I'm going to go back to Egypt. I mean, they, they're like, I'm a, at least in Egypt, I wasn't going to die. You brought us here so that we can die. You know? And they, they failed to, to believe in the Lord. And in that same way, we might know our promised land. We might know what our promised land is. But without developing a sense of call, you're not going to get there. You're just going to end up like the Israelites. What happened to most of the Israelites? They died in the wilderness. They never reached their promised land. That's why they were wandering for 40 years. Because the, the people that didn't have the faith, that didn't trust in the Lord, that, that didn't develop their sense of call, they just weren't, they didn't reach their promised land. Only one was a guy named Caleb <laughs> and Joshua. They were able to, to go into the promised land. Because, man, they were men of faith. Amen? They trusted in the Lord. Some of, us, some of you guys are actually in your callings today. You know, God called you to the business mountain, and you're on that mountain. Some of you are called to be educators, and, and, and that's the calling that you're in right now. And you're walking out your calling. You know, right now, I believe that me being campus pastor, this is my calling. God called me to this place. You know, it's not the fullness of my calling, but I am in my calling. And also me working at Sharky's, that's also a calling that God gave me. You know, and I, I'm in my calling. It's, it might not be fully realized, but I am in my calling. But you know what? You know what's going to keep me in the place of God's calling? It's developing a sense of call. It's not only going to get you there, but it's going to keep you there. There's a lot of people out there that realize God's calling in their lives early on. You know, I saw a lot of these when I was going to college. They're like, man, I'm called to be a pastor. Man, I'm a pastor of this church. I'm going to pastor the, the heck out of this church, man. I'm going to be... The best pastor and get this great education. And then after a while, they're serving at the church. They just get disillusioned. I mean, they're like, man, this is hard. Man, I got to submit to that guy? I don't want to do that. And all of a sudden, you, like a couple of years later, you see them. They're working for an insurance company in the valley or something like that. You know? And it's not that their calling wasn't real. They, that, they might have been called to the pulpit. But it's that they never developed that sense of call for them to actually stay in God's calling. And then the things of the world kind of choked it out of them. And they ended up following a different path. You know, an example was Saul versus David. Saul was called by God. But he never developed that character. He never developed that sense of call. And how did he end up? But then you look at David and man, God made sure that David developed a sense of call. You know, in the wilderness, in, in, de- in the tending his sheep as a little kid. You know, it's like, you know, that's, that, you, that's the mundane right there. And God was meeting him in that place of the mundane. He wrote all these amazing psalms, his worship unto the Lord. God was ministering to him. He was, he was ministering unto the Lord, and he was developing that sense of call. And you see him, that he, when he got to his calling, he remained there. He was steadfast. He was true. And today we're going to look at the last part of this series, and it's going, it's going to take us to Genesis 15. So turn your Bibles to Genesis 15. First book of the Bible, of the Bible, um, chapter 15, verse 4 through 6. Okay? It's talking about the story of Abraham and how God revealed and made this amazing promise, gave um, Abraham this amazing promise. It said, and I'll read it to you guys. It says, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir, 
Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him out outside and said, Look towards the heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he, con- and he counted it to him as righteousness. He said, Count the stars. A few months ago, I preached a message called God's Eyes Dreams, and it was about our ninth core value. And our ninth core value is what? Dream. To dream big. We have nine core values, and uh, you know I preached through many of them. And you know if you guys, I encourage you guys to go back and listen to them. We have all our sermons podcasted all the way back to 2007. That's the year I came to Korea. And so you know I remember I lo- I actually looked back and I saw like a testimony I gave, like when I was mad, like backslidden, and I went up there and I said this testimony. It's all in there. You know you can find it all. It's all in our in our podcast. I encourage you guys to go back and listen to. Uh, some of these sermons, it's all free, and it's all online. You don't have to pay money or anything like that. But in that message, I preached out of this passage. And then I talked about the scene in Genesis where God calls Abraham out to look. To, and he says, you know what? When, when he looked up back then, and you looked up at the night sky, you saw more white than black. And that there were so many stars. There was like a billion stars. Too, too, too many to count. It's like if you count it, if like you took a little chunk of the sky and wanted to count it, count all the stars, it would take you hours. It was like back then there was no skyscrapers, there was no electricity, and so all you saw at night were the stars, and you saw a multitude of stars. And God calls him out into this night and said, and He tells him, "Look towards the heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them." You know, He asks him this, this rhetorical question. You know, what's, what's Abraham going to say? Yeah, God. I'm going to do that tomorrow, okay? I'll number those stars, and I'll see exactly how many descendants I'm going to have. But why do you think God asked him this impossible task? Count the stars. You know, it's like asking Roy to go out to the beach and say, Roy, swim to Thailand. And it's like impossible. No matter how good of a swimmer Roy is, it's impossible to swim to Thailand. I mean, and it's like that kind of question that he gives Abraham. Count the stars. And why do you think... God gave him this impossible task. And I believe it was to develop his sense of call. As God gives Abraham this amazing call on his life, he gives him the impossible task of counting stars. You know, visions and word pictures and illustrations are very powerful, and God uses them a lot throughout the Bible. It's powerful because it gets burned into into our memories. You know, when somebody tells me something, and then I see a picture of something, that picture gets, gets kind of burned into my memory more than, you know, like sometimes people tell me it's like blah, 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 blah. But then when you see a picture, it's just like it kind of gets, it gets burned onto our memories. And so here in Genesis, you know, he, God's giving him this, this, vis, this vision. It actually says it's a vision. And giving this illustration of him actually fully realizing the the, the, the scope and the magnitude of the calling that God's calling him into. And, and with the counting of the stars, God is trying to show him that his plans for Abraham are immense. Uh, they are big. You know, you see this call, call that I've been giving you? It's big, Abraham. It's amazing. You know, and Abraham, he didn't have a scope to really understand it. And so God tells him to count the stars. Look, look up. Can you do it? But, you know, that's what your descendants are going to look like. 
God's trying to use his vision and the words, word pictures to give Abraham a sense of scope for his call. And brothers and sisters, to develop your sense of call, you need to learn to count the stars. And what I'm talking about when I, when I say counting the stars, you have to continually set before your eyes vision of the amazing promises that God has for you. I'm going to say that again. You have to continually set before your eyes visions of the amazing promises God has for you. What I mean by counting stars is you have to envision yourself being a blessing to the nations. You have to envision yourself being in that place of big dreams. Now, you, We have a God that wants us to dream big dreams. That's why it's one of our core values. He's telling us to fully grasp His amazing plans for us. Saying, I'm giving you big dreams with big plans. Now, if God wanted to give us small dreams, He would have asked us to go out and count the sheep. Like, All right, there's a lot of sheep, but you know, I could probably knock that out in like two hours. God doesn't want us to have possible dreams. You know that? Because if your dream is possible, it's not a dream. It's a goal. It's something that you can do. It's something that you can obtain just by working hard at it. But dreams need to be impossible. And this is what God is telling Abraham. He's saying, count the stars. Envision these big plans. Because I am a big God. I am a big God and I have big plans for you. And I want to tell you today how counting the stars will help you in developing your sense of call. Number one, it gets you excited. It gets you excited. God told Abraham to count the stars because God wanted to get Abraham excited. And when he envisions God's plans for us, when we envision God, our, God's plans for us, it should get us excited. When you envision God's plan for you, Lydia, it should get you excited. You know, next week, Pastor Mina and I, we're going to Phuket with Pastor Christian there. It's our little vacation. I call it pre-baby vacation. Because she's not pregnant, but we're going to start trying 2013. So basically, it might be our last babyless vacation. You know what I mean? But, and, and when I think about this vacation, I get excited. I'm like, man, I can't wait. I'm on that beach without my shirt on. And everybody sees me in all my glory. I don't care if I'm fat. You know what I mean? And I'll pay good money for this vacation. I'm going to enjoy it. I get excited. I get excited about being on the beach. I get excited about swimming in the swimming pool, eating pad thai, you know, getting Thai massages. You know, it gets me pumped up. But the, you know what? That's how we should be about the plans of God for our lives. When God calls you to something, it should get you excited. You should be like, wow. Man, I, I'm excited. I can't wait. You know, some people are not excited about life because they are oblivious about God's call for their lives. They have no sense of call. They have no meaning or purpose. You know, they live vicariously. They spend more time you know, watching movies and TV shows. Korean dramas. Korean dramas could be a bondage to some people. I'm telling you, man, it was a bondage for my mom, man. My mom, back in L.A., they didn't have internet. My, my, you know, Korean women in, in, in America, you know, they're still stuck in Korea, so they don't know about the internet. So they would go to these, these video stores where they would airplane over video cassettes of tapes, of videos recorded in Korea. And then they would mass record them, and then they would rent it out for a dollar a piece. 
It was a big business in the, in the 80s and 90s in Korea. Korean video stores, would, you could buy a house. You can buy a house owning a Korean video store. You'd be making bank, you know? There was no technology back there to, like, to stream, like, some of these, like, you know, these, these programs that are coming out of Korea. But Korean, you know, ajumas are like, man, I love it. And it was like a bondage to them. And, you know, my mom, it was, my mom would get, like, the whole set, 30 videos, and then watch it in one night. I mean, she, she, and, and you know what? It's her living vicariously through these videos, through these dramas. Now, because they, they think that their lives, own lives are boring, they live vicariously through the things, and they live uninspired lives because they don't have a sense of call for their lives. But this kind of a mindset is actually an attack from the enemy. You know that? It's an attack from the enemy. It keeps us uninspired to live our lives with no faith or expectation. And we end up sitting around on the couch doing nothing. Now, yesterday I saw the movie Hobbit. And as a spoiler alert, if you guys haven't seen it, I don't know. Close your ears or something. But it's only the beginning of the movie. I'm not going to ruin anything big. But in the movie, you know, Bilbo Baggins is his Hobbit. He's living out in the Shire where all the Hobbits live. And he's living this really quiet, kind of like this peaceful but almost a boring existence. And one day, Gandalf comes, and then along with all of these little dwarves, and they're like, man. And, and he offers him this amazing adventure. And all the dwarves are like all eating all his food in the pantry, and they're all going crazy. And then, and then Gandalf's like, all right, you know, this is the adventure. And then, but, but Bilbo is more concerned about what happens to his plates and his doily. And then there's, a, there's a line in the, in the movie where Gandalf is like, when did you get so concerned about your mom's plates and her, her doilies? And then he's like, and then after that, he like, he's like, no, I, you know, he, he does like, I can't do it, you know, and he goes to sleep. And the next day, everybody's gone and he comes out and, and his house is perfect the way that he loves it. He sees his little nook where he, where he uh, uh, reads his books and he sees his little like pantry where he eats his dinner in peace. And then all of a sudden he runs out of the place saying like with his bag, he's like running after the Gandalf and his neighbors are saying like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm going on an adventure. You know, he runs through the shire and says, I'm going on an adventure. And, and you know what? That, that's like Gandalf. We're like Bilbo. And then Gandalf is like God. God, that God is offering us this amazing adventure. You know that? He's giving us this amazing adventure. And, and, and some, some of us, we're more content with, the, with worrying about our mom's dishes. And, and the little doilies, <laughs> and our little breakfast nook. You know, if you knew them, if you saw the movie, you would understand. But man, God is offering you guys an amazing adventure. It says in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that for every true and born again believer, He has amazing plans for us. He has an amazing plan for each and every one of you guys. And if we learn to count the stars, it will get us excited about life. You know that? It will keep us full of faith. And, and, and anticipating what's to come. You know, some people have a hard time surrendering their lives over to God because they think God's plans are boring. They think that it's typical and predictable. And you know what? That's the lie of the enemy. Because God's plans for you guys are crazy. Let me tell you, in my backslidden days, I've done all the exciting things that the world can offer me. You know, I basically tried to do it all. And if you ask me what my most exciting moment is, it's not, you know, the raves and the parties and all the crazy things that I did. It was the mission trips 
that I go on with new feelings. The things of God are so much more amazing than anything that the world can offer you guys. He has amazing plans for you. Don't live hopeless thinking your best days are behind you. I'm here to tell you that your best is in front of you. When you count the stars, it gives you faith and expectation to be excited about life. So number one, counting stars is going to get you pumped up. It's going to get you excited. Number two, another way that counting stars develops your sense of call, it makes us dependent on God. When God said, look at the stars and number them, so shall your offspring be, Abraham wasn't going like, all right, I could do that. Let me just go get Sarah, and I'm going to have her knock out a few sons. No, and then uh, we'll, get that, we'll get that started, God. No, Abraham is like, what? What are you talking about? I don't even have a son. I'm like 100 years old. My wife is 90 years old. I don't even have a son. What are you, what are you, what are you saying? My, my offspring will be like the, stunts, the stars in the sky. That you're, this is preposterous. But you know what? This caused Abraham to depend on God. He said, God, if it's going to happen, I'm, I'm, it's not going to happen without you. Man, I can't. You know, like I know in the natural, it's impossible. But in you, I'm going to depend on you. And I know that if I depend on you, it's, it, it's on you. It's on God. And when, when you count the stars... When you count the stars, your dreams should be so big that it causes you to depend on God. And if you counting stars, I've said this before, but if you counting stars is having a, a wife and some kids, and having a steady job, and you're not counting stars. When you, when you count stars, you've got to be like, man, without God, this is impossible. I need to depend on Him. Now, we are made for a purpose much bigger than the ones that we could imagine for ourselves. And when we really get our heads around the plans that God has for us, it causes us to depend on Him. Because without Him, there's no hope. Now, some of us never get, count the stars, and we end up at, we, we end at that no hope part. And we, we, don't, we don't get past the no hope part. God, give it, God gives them the gifts, God gives them the talents, but their minds are like, that's impossible. There's no hope. And it ends there. And they fail to count the stars. Have that ever happened to you? Has, has, have you ever almost gotten excited about something? You're like, yeah. But then you're like, oh man, that's going to be hard. That's impossible. And you kind of, right there, you snuff out that dream. I mean, that you, you, you fail to count the stars. You look, you look at yourself. You're like, man, I can't do that. And so your dream right there gets snuffed out. You have to count the stars. Because in counting stars, it causes you to depend on the Lord. The third way that counting stars develop your sense of call, it stretches your faith. Turn with me to Genesis 13, a few chapters before chapter 15, when, when God told Abraham to count the stars. There's a similar uh, situation where God tells uh, Abraham to count some stuff. And it's uh, chapter 13, verses 14 through 18. I'll read it to you. The Lord said to Abram, Okay, this was Abraham before God changed his name to, to Abram before God changed his name to Abraham. So the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northwards and southwards and eastwards and westwards. 
For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if you, if one can count the dust of the earth, your offsprings also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abraham moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. So God's like, look north, look south, look east, look west. As far as your eye can see, I'm going to give you this land. And it's for you and your offspring. And you, you see that dust? That camel just kicked up some dust? Count those dust. Count that dust. And it's like, if you can count it, that's what your offspring is going to look like. And, in, in, and he tells him something very strange here. He says, as a matter of fact, he tells him to walk around this land. He says, walk around the land that I'm going to give you. Walk around and see, look at it, envision it, you know, like survey it. And Abraham, he's like, all right, I'm going to do it. And he started walking around that land. Starts, you know, it took, probably took him a couple of weeks to start walking around this land. And as he walked around that land, looking at the dust off the ground, his faith was being stretched. His faith was starting to grow. Because he was like, man. I'm going to possess this. This is going to be mine. Walk some more. Man, I'm going, to, I'm going to possess this. This is going to be mine. And like the donkey kicks up some dust. He's like, man, that's going to be like my descendants. And, he, and, and as he surveys this land, as he surveys his promised land, his faith, his faith starts to grow. Why does, Jer- why, does, why does God tell the Israelites to walk around Jericho seven times? Because every time the, 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 the Israelites circled Jericho, it wasn't like this tiny castle. Everybody kind of envisions Jericho as this tiny castle. It was like a big, it was like big. It was huge. It was like a huge like city. It's the city of Jericho. And as they're circling the city, every time they circle it, they're envisioning, this is ours. The faith was rising up. And as we rise up, and we survey our own promised land, our faith is going to rise up. You know, how do we know that Abraham's faith grew? You know, if you look at the earlier chapter, later chapters, it says that Abraham believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Earlier in the chapter, when God says, count the dust, and look at this line, he doesn't say that. But as he surveyed the land, as he started walking around it, his faith was rising up. Every time. That he saw that land. His faith was rising up. Every time he walked around his land, his faith was rising up. And so a couple of chapters later, when, Abra- when God tells Abraham, count the stars, he's like, all right, God, I believe you. I believe you. I believe in what you're going to do in me and through me. His faith was starting to grow. And so we come to chapter 22 in Genesis. After Abraham's faith was stretched, it grew so much. That it became unwavering. And so when, when, when God tested his faith by, by telling him to sacrifice his only son Isaac, Abraham was actually going to do it. What I'm here to tell you is that counting the stars will help you stretch your faith. Church, when we talk about raising up an army of God, uh, raising up an army, when we talk about an army going out into the nations, when we talk about the, the exponential beyond the progression growth, when we talk about miracles, signs, and wonders, mission trips, 
you know, with hundreds of salvations and hundreds of healings. When we talk about church plants, last week Pastor Christian talked about our next church plant was going to be in Australia. And when we talk about these things, when we talk about planting churches in Australia or even planting a church in North Korea, when we talk about reunification, you know, when we talk about North Korea opening up, when we talk about ending human trafficking, we're trying to get you to count the, count the stars. You have to envision these things. I don't want people here to just attend church once a week. If that's what you're here to do, I want to set you straight today. I want people to come to church that go out with a vision and a purpose. It says Proverbs 29:18 in the King James Version. It says, where there is no vision, people perish. And we need to be a, a church with vision. We need to be a church with purpose. And we don't, we don't just have that vision, but we need to keep that vision before our eyes. And we do that by counting the stars. We do that by counting the promises God gave us. Count those stars. Envision the promised land. Walk over it. Stretch your faith and claim it. Whether it's a dream job, whether it's your future ministry, whether it's a, a business, what, whatever it is, your promised land is, I want you to claim it. Whether it's a degree, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, claim it, envision it, and count those stars. If you want a sense of, of, of call to develop, you got to learn to count the stars. You got to envision. You got to keep that vision of God before you. The amazing promises that He has for you, keep them before you. I want to move on, and we're going to uh, keep reading in Genesis 15. I'm going to read verse 7 through 11 for you. And it says, And He said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But He said, O Lord God, how am I to know? That I shall possess it. He said to him, Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these and cut them in half and laid each over against the other. But he, but he did not cut the birds in half. And when, when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. This is a weird scene where God's like, Abraham's like, Man, how am I going to know God when, when I'm going to possess this promised land? And he's like, you know what? Bring me this cow. Bring me a sheep. Bring me a goat. Bring me some birds. Cut them in half. Not the birds, though. It's like this weird scene. <laughs> you know, and, and he's saying, bring me these animals so, and, and sacrifice them before me. Why do you think God did this? Now, there are five animals mentioned here, and each of them had a price. We're not, you know, we're not farmers. I'm not a rancher, so I don't know how much a cow costs. But, you know, basically, it's like asking Pastor Mina, bring me your new iPhone 5. You know, that expensive Starbucks thermos that you got as a gift. You know, your favorite Uggs, your favorite purse, and your car. And sacrifice them to me. Give, give them to the church or something. And, and, and his, his answer was to take five costly items and sacrifice them to God. And this was basically God's response to Abraham's inquiry about, about a sign. Like, what, what, and how will I know? So after God told Abraham to count the stars, he's telling him here to count the cost. Saying, count the cost. How will you know? 
When you see your descendants paying the cost. Read verses 12 to 14. It says, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell over Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said, said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. Abraham asked how he will know when he will possess the land, and God says, this is how you will know. When your offerings, when your offsprings find themselves under slavery. That's how you will know. I believe that God is telling Abraham, count the stars, Abraham. You know, my, my, my promises for you, for your caller, is amazing. You know, it's great. It's powerful. It's immense. But he's also telling him to count the costs. Because the costs are also great. It says in Luke chapter 14, Now great crowds accompanied him, talking about Jesus, and he turned and said to them, You know, there was a great crowd of gathering around Jesus. And the crowds followed Jesus wherever he went. You know, these crowds... They were excited about what Jesus was going to do. They were counting those stars. Now these, these, these followers of Jesus, they, they followed him by the multitude. And they were like, man, he's going to raise up the kingdom of Israel again. They were counting the stars. Like, man, this guy, has, he's doing miracles, signs, and wonders. He's a powerful man. Man, I, I'm going to follow him. I'm counting the stars. But then people were getting all excited, counting the stars. And this is what Jesus tells them. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brother and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able to, with 10,000, to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great ways off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciples. What Jesus is telling his people is, he's telling them to count the cost. He didn't want people just to follow him, excited about the stars. He turned to them and said, you need to all count the cost. You do not know what it will take to see those stars, to see the plans and the dreams and the visions being fulfilled. Verse 26. He's not telling, in in verse 26 it says, uh, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brother and sister... Yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. Is he telling people to hate his, his family? Is he telling these people to hate your family? No, he's telling them to count the cost. Because there's a cost to following me. In verse 27, he goes on. He talks about this, this whoever does not bear his own cross and comes after me uh, cannot be my disciple. And he talks about a man building this building without you know, counting the cost. You know, in, in, in Seoul, there's a building called Podo Mall. It's right by our hillside campus. And that came up, like, in 2008 or 2009, it came up. But perpendicular, like, at Kitty Corner, so diagonally across from that building, there was a building that got started on the same, on the same year as Podo Mall. But then when Podo Mall opened, 
that other building, they ran out of money. I found this out from this man that I used to do, do to work with. And he said, that company, they, they ran out of money, so they just stopped building and they left. And so for about four years, every time we went to Potomac, we look and we see the skeleton of this building. All made out of concrete, but it just, it's hollow. It looks like, like Legos. And it stayed like that for like four years, almost five years. And nobody like, did anything there. It was like this abandoned building. It was huge too. It was like, like, like 30 stories tall. They, they didn't, they failed to count the cost. You know, in the, in the movie The Hobbit, I will mention it again. I told you about, you know, how he, he Gandalf came to him with, with this great adventure. But, you know, there's a scene where it's at the beginning, so don't worry. I'm not ruining anything. But he gives him this contract. And it's like this long contract. And in it, it talks about all the stuff that he might encounter on this journey. He's like, like, like death and like incineration and all this, this crazy stuff. And he's like, what? Like, you know, like, I can't sign this. But at that moment, Gandalf was like saying, like, you know what? You got to also count the cost. This isn't going to be just this, this great adventure, but it's all gonna, it's, there's going to be a cost involved. And God comes, us up, comes at us with that same, same lesson. He wants us to count the cost. Every major decision we make in our lives, we count the cost. And Jesus is telling us here that following him and his plans will be the most important decision that you will ever make. But don't make it just willy-nilly. If you are really serious about it, you better, you, you have to count the cost. And you have to be willing to pay that cost. When Pastor Mina and I and the church plant team, we moved down here last year to plant this church, man, we were all excited. We were counting those stars. We're like, man, we're going to see like, you know, all these people. And I look out at you guys and you guys are those stars. You know that? When I look at you guys, you guys are those stars. These guys are the stars that we counted when we were up in Seoul looking thinking about what was going to happen in Busan. But we also counted the cost. And when I, when, I, when, I, when I was chosen to be a campus pastor, I knew that God was bringing me into my calling. I was like, yeah, God, you know, you gave me this full-time ministry call. I know that, you know, I don't have a seminary degree, but, you know, you're really, like, going to use me to, to fulfill my calling. But at the same time, I also counted the cost. I knew that my weekends wouldn't be my own. You know, they'd be filled with team meetings and, preparing my, for my sermon. I knew that you know, many of my Saturdays wouldn't be spent on dates with my wife or playing PlayStation, but it was going to be spent you know, getting ready for ministry. You know, I knew that my first year of marriage, we got married and moved down here to Busan on the same week. And I knew that our first, I, our, my first year of marriage wasn't going to be about me, just me and Mina, but it was going to be me, Mina, and this church plant. There's a lot of sacrifices that needed to be made, and I counted those costs. And I knew that though it wasn't going to be easy, God was doing a mighty work in me. And I was willing to pay that cost joyfully, knowing that it was a cost to, it was a cost to counting the stars that are here in Luzon. And if I didn't count those costs in advance, I might have just quit a long time ago. Losing my, my, my weeknights, looking for a, a sanctuary, Losing my weekends, looking for a sanctuary every three months. I might have been like, man, peace out. This is tired, man. But you know what? I counted those costs. And I, I, I did it joyfully. Now, last week, Pastor Christian, he spoke a sermon where he announced where our next church plan would be. And it was, it's going to be in Australia. And a lot of people got excited. 
You know, and that's our star. Australia, that's our star. But there will be cost to pay. To pay. There will be not just a star, but there's going to be costs that need to be paid. But I believe that there are people sitting here today, sitting in this sanctuary today, that are counting those stars. And soon we'll be counting the cost and we'll be going. Being called to, by God to go to Australia. Now we pray for revival, North Korea. We pray for no, revival in South Korea. We pray for revival in Busan. We pray for revival in our families. You know what? There is a cost to pay for revival. If you really want revival, you guys got to pray. You guys got to war. You guys have to cry out. That's a cost to pay. Brothers and sisters, Jesus doesn't want disciples that are all excited about the, the stars, but are quitters when it comes when things get tough. But this is what happens when people count the stars without counting the cost. But also on the other hand, Jesus doesn't want people who are committed to suffer and to pay the price, but are joyless and lacking in faith. Because this is what happens when people count the cost, but they fail to count the stars. He's looking for people that will count the stars and count the cost. He wants us to envision it, but know that in order for us to, to reach it, we're going to have to pay a price. But that price we pay joyfully because it's such an amazing call. You know, some of you guys are in here, they're like, man, I don't have a call on my life. I'm going to end with this. Some of you guys are here like, man, I have no call. God does not have a call for me. And I want to tell you, you're wrong. You're misinformed. You're believing in a lie. And if you read verse 5, and he brought him outside and said, look towards the heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham probably thought the offspring would be his children and his grandchildren. But God had bigger plans in mind. He's saying more than that. That word offspring can also be translated in the Hebrew as seed or descendant. And in the Hebrew, it's a singular form. You know, in English, it's, it's both singular and plural. There, there is no offsprings. Okay? It's offspring. So when you have many, it's still offspring. When you have one, you have offspring. You know how I know? I wrote offsprings. And there was a red underline. And I was like, why is this underlined? So I googled that. And it said, plural and singular. I didn't know that until I wrote the sermon, by the way. But in the Hebrew, there is a singular and there is a plural. And the Hebrew is used in the singular. So what is that seed? Who is that descendant? God is not only making promises about Abraham's natural children, but God's making promises about his son, Jesus Christ. He's like, I'm talking about my son who's going to come into this world. He's going to come through your lineage. Saying, count the stars. So shall your descendant, my son, Jesus Christ, will be. He will be numerous as the stars. He will be blessed to be a blessing to the nations. He will possess the promised land. He will possess the gates of his enemy. And this is what Apostle Paul talks about in Galatians 3.16. When you read it, it says, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. To, it does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, who is Christ. And so this is exactly what it says in Galatians 3.16. Now this is referring to Genesis 15.5. 
Christ is the offspring of Abraham that has inherited the great promises made to Abraham. And now Christ freely distributes that promise to all who are in Christ. Galatians 3.29. And if you, are, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to promise. I mean that we inherit that promise. The same promise that God made to Abraham thousands of years ago is the same promise that you and I inherit through Christ Jesus. You know, some of some of you in here might be thinking that you don't have a call on your life. You know, like God doesn't have a call for me. You know, he might have a call for you, but not for me. But look at my life. My life's a mess. You know, look what I'm going through. Where's God? I don't hear God speaking to me. I don't hear his words. I don't I don't hear a calling for me. And you might doubt whether God has a call for you. And I want to tell you that that is a lie of the devil. He lies to you about your calling because he's afraid of your calling. But as long as you don't believe that God has a call for your life, you're not going to seek out that call. You're not going to want to develop a sense of call. You're just going to live with the in, your insignificant goals. You're not, you're not even going to have those dreams. And you're not going to have any influence in your life. You have to know that because we are in Christ, we inherit all the great promises given to Abraham. That we will possess the gates of our enemies. That we will be blessed to be a blessing to all nations. That we will be numerous as the stars. That we will possess our promised land. In Christ, all these promises are yes and amen. You guys know that? You guys so count the stars, count the costs. And live, our, live your lives in a manner worthy of the call that God has given you. Each and every one of you guys, God calls you to an amazing calling. Amazing calling. I didn't know in my life, there was a time when I was all depressed. And I was all like, man, what was me? What am I going to do with my life? But as I put my faith in God, and as I, as, I, as I started claiming the promises that he had for me, he started giving me visions of things that I would be doing. This is one of them. It doesn't end here, though. It gets bigger than this. You know that? You know, cooking and sharking is, is one of them, too. But it doesn't end there. It gets bigger than that. God has amazing call. He has an amazing plan for each and every one of you guys. And I want us to close in prayer. And, you know, today, Pastor Christian, he spoke a sermon in Hillside. We don't know what it's about. We don't know what the sermon was about. And I don't know what our new year is. Every year, Pastor Christian... Christian, he uh, comes out with a theme for the year. Last year was a year of increase. The year before that was a year of intimacy. And I, and I don't know what the theme will be for 2013, but God's speaking to me something for my personal life. And God's telling me that 2013 for me will be the year of my inheritance. It's going to be the year of my calling. And for some of you guys, you guys are right there on the brink of your calling. Some of you guys, God's speaking to you. Like God spoke to Abraham, saying, you know what? Look at the stars. Count the stars. God's calling you. He's telling you to count the stars. And God's bringing you into that place of calling. And some of you in here are like, man, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I don't know. My life's a mess. I I, I had the same boring job for the last five years, and I don't know what I'm going to do next. I have no prospects. And what I'm telling you today is I want you to count the stars. God wants you to count the stars. God's saying, I have amazing, immense 
plans for each and every one of you guys. And as you guys start counting those stars, as you guys start counting the stars and you guys start counting those costs, God's going to help you realize those callings. He's going to bring you into a place of your calling. He's going to bring you into a place of your inheritance. The promises that, that you inherit through Christ Jesus. And here today, there's people in here that God's speaking directly into their hearts right now. And God's instilling a calling upon them. God's giving them a mighty purpose and a mighty plan. He's he's, he's burning it into their hearts right now. And I just want to pray for some of you guys. If you're on that brink, if you're in that place of doubt, if you're hearing the word of God, and right now you're saying, God, I can't. I don't know. I don't know if that's my calling. It's That's too crazy. I want you to know that that is your calling. And the reason why it looks crazy is because God's calling for you is big. It's not something that you can simply grasp and understand. God's telling you, that I have big plans for you. I have plans to do amazing things through you. And if you're in that place right now where you feel like you're at the at the at the precip- the, 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 the edge of your calling, you're like about to step into it. You're like, man, I don't know if this is it or not. God, that's a little scary. It's, a, it's freaking me out. What? Well, it's supposed to freak you out a little bit because God's calling is big. It's great. And it's grand. And God's saying, count the, count the stars. Count the cost and count the stars. You know, it's not going to be easy. But with you, with me, together, God's saying, man, there's nothing that you can't do. And there's nothing that, that you're not going to be able to, 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 to do for me. Everything that I have is yours. And if, if there's some of you in here that are at that place in your calling, I want you guys to just simply stand up. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you guys. I want you guys to lift your hands up to the Lord. And as you lift your hands up, I want you to envision those stars. I want you to envision it. You know, and if you're what you're envisioning isn't like, whoa, I want you to sit down. Seriously. If what you're envisioning right now isn't like, oh man, that's, that's big. I can't do this by myself. It's too great. If this is you, if this is not you, if you can't, if you're not being awed by what you're envisioning, I want you to sit down. But if you're in that place of awe, if you're in that place where you're about to step off that chasm and you're like, man, God, this is exciting. This is an adventure, but it's also a little freaky. What what should I do? And God's saying, count the stars, count the cost, and just jump. Because I have you. You're in my hand. 
And I want you guys to start declaring that calling over you right now. What you, what God has given you right now. Start declaring it over yourself. Saying, this is me. This is me. Envision it. Like, like Abraham walked around the land that God gave him. Start walking around it with your heart. Start walking around it with your mind. Say, this is me. This is what God's called me into. I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. I count the cost. I count the stars. I'm going to embrace it. Father God, I pray for every single person standing here today. Lord, I pray, Lord, that today you're doing a powerful work in their heart, God. You're, 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 you're burning your calling upon their heart. And as this calling goes deep, as this calling comes, as they come into the, re- the realization of the scope of this calling, I pray that you will help them to get excited. And I pray that you will help them to, to depend on you and for their faith to grow. And after they've counted the cost, they'll say, that cost I will pay joyfully in my heart. I pay it with joy. Because the prize is so amazing and so good. So I declare these callings over each of these brothers and sisters. And I say, Lord, Lord, you have them. You lead them. It is on you now. They follow your calling. And it is on you. They lack nothing. They have everything. And in that place of their calling, I pray, Lord, that you will help them to count the stars. To continually envision the plans of God before their eyes. That they will never take their eyes off of it. That they will remain in that place of promise. That they are heirs according to promise. Thank you, Lord. You guys can sit down. I want to pray for some other people. If there's people in here that have no idea what their calling is. They have no idea. They're like, man, God, I don't know. I don't know what my calling is. Look at my life. My life is a mess. What do you think? What what can you call me into, God? And if you feel this way, if you don't know what your calling is, I want I want you guys to stand up. If you guys feel hopeless, there's a place in you where you feel like, man, I don't know what to do, God. I'm in a place and I feel like I don't hear your voice. And if that's the place that you're in right now, I want you guys to take a, a step of faith and just stand up. I want you guys to focus on Jesus. You know, Jesus, He paid the cost for you to count the stars. I want you to envision Jesus because it's through Him. All the promises of Abraham, you inherit. Every promise, every good thing that Abraham God promised Abraham, it's over you. And God declares it over you. And God is saying, you have a mighty call. I'm preparing you for something. I'm, I'm establishing you. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing you out of certain things. And I'm bringing you into this promise. 
I'm bringing you into a promise that this world cannot take away from you. I'm bringing you into a promise and you're going to fulfill and you're going to reach and you're going to realize your destiny. You're going to realize your calling. So God, I pray for the people standing right now, God, I pray, Lord, that you'll give them a new mindset. That you'll give them a heart of promise. That you'll give them a heart of expectancy. Knowing that you have great and amazing and mighty plans for them. That in that promise, God, which is from you. That in that promise, God, that they lack nothing. That they have everything. They're exactly in the place where you want them to be. And as them being in that place, they are already following your calling. And I pray, Lord, that you will continue to develop that sense of call in their lives. To continue to minister to them and bless them. And help them to understand the fullness and the scope and the, and, and, and the, the length and the breadth and the height of your immense calling for their lives. Your purpose. Give them a purpose. Give them a vision, God. Help them to know. Help them to understand. And help them to know that they already have it. It's in their possession. They already, It's already there. And that you're going to be bringing them into it in your time. And by your grace. We thank you, Lord. We love you, God. We thank you, Lord, that we are in your hands. We thank you, Lord, that in your calling is the, is the perfect place that we need to be. It's the, it's the safest place that we can be in is in your calling. Us doing exactly what you call us to is the safest place that we could be in. The world can't touch us. And we thank you, Lord, that you've called each and every one of us, no matter where we are in our lives, no matter what position, what state, what condition, no matter what, what, whatever we're going through, whatever bondages that we may have, but we, each and every one of us, we have a calling from the Lord. And I pray, Lord, that as we come into that calling, the people of God will rise up and, and establish and start establishing your kingdom upon this earth.